So good morning, Eastside family. I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Jude, verse 20 and 21. And as we're doing that, we're going to let our children, ages four years old through third grade, we'll head on back to junior worship. Certainly appreciate our, our children's ministry and all that they do to, to serve. I want to thank those of you who didn't go out of town today and who are here with us. We're certainly glad to have you here. I want to mention to you a way that you can worship God, one of the most important aspects of our, of our worship, and that is our offering. And there are four ways we make available for you to give your offering. You can mail your check to the church building. You can go and give an automatic draft through the bank as well if you would like to do that. You can go online to our website. There's our little box on the homepage. Click on that. Follow the easy instructions. Or if you're here in person, you can take your contribution and put it in the basket right there on the table on your way out. Those of you that are not here in person, we're absolutely delighted to have you with us live streaming today as well. We also want to mention, there you are, to, to this week, I'm not sure of the exact day, but uh, I, uh, the rumors out that Byrne and Barbara Snodders are having their 55th wedding anniversaries, which tells me you must have gotten married around age 10. So happy anniversary. Our, our, one of our, our vision, Eastside, is to connect, grow, and serve. Are you looking for an opportunity to serve this afternoon? There is a new couple here, Bill and Robin Smith, and there's a U-Haul out there. It's pretty small, but it's more than they're going to be able to unload. They need help unloading it this afternoon and so if you'd like to help them I'm going to be standing at a table right back there that says it's got that picture of the orange couch on it come say Eddie I want to help out those of you who want to help out we'll figure out a time and and uh, Robin and Bill we hope we get that done so we're certainly glad to have them with us Bill and I know each other way back many years ago he was serving as a missionary in Czechoslovakia when Karen and I were there too so we're just tickled to death to have them here as well. So speaking of life groups, we're going to be kicking off our life groups pretty soon, but before we kick them off, we really would like to have more groups. And if we're going to have more groups, for the more people that we have, we need more leaders. In order to have more leaders, we need people to step up and say, you know what, I'll open up my home. I will be happy to co-leader group or leader group. And if you're one of those people, or if you have questions about life groups in general, I'm going to be standing at that table where you see the picture of the red couch out there to talk to you and give me some ideas of what that's about. Out. Jude 20 and 21. You know what I need? I forgot to bring up here. Could somebody just bring me a chair and put it right here? Is anybody that's strong enough? Skip, could you get me a chair and bring it up here? Perfect, thank you. My bad. I've got notes in here. Set out chair, and I forgot to do that. It's in red bold, and I still forgot it. Thank you. I'm not going to sit down yet, but I just need to use that well, as I a. Sit down Skip, would you just sit here while I preach? <laughs> but you, dear friends, verse 20, Jude 20. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. 
Today is part two of a, of a mini-series that we're having on prayer, which is a, a smaller part of our larger series, it's in the book of Jude. And as I mentioned to you last week, we're talking about prayer because I am convinced of this. Prayer is one of the most, if not the most important spiritual disciplines in the life of a follower of Christ. But the crazy thing about it, it's one of the most neglected spiritual disciplines as a matter of fact I, I shared this last week and I had a number of you tell me yeah Eddie I actually needed to hear about prayer and so from time to time we need a reminder we need a refresher of the value and the importance of prayer and so we're looking at it these two Sundays from the perspective of what Jude mentions in verse 20 from the perspective of praying in the Holy Spirit and last week we asked the question, well, what does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? And I'm not asking what does it mean to pray, but the question is, what does it mean? This was, this was what intrigued me last year as I was working my way through Jude. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Do I know what that means? Do I pray in the Holy Spirit? And so I found these five answers in my personal studies. I shared this with you last week as far as the answer to what does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit. First of all, praying in the Holy Spirit is praying by the leading and the enabling and the, and the help of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we saw last week that praying in the Holy Spirit is praying under the control of the Spirit. Thirdly, we saw last week that praying in the Holy Spirit is praying in the power of the Spirit. Number four, it's praying out of hearts and souls that are indwelt, that are illuminated, and that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then fifth, and most, most importantly here in, in the context of Jude, praying in the Holy Spirit is our combative weapon against attacks on our faith and, our, and on the church. And so I read this last year in my personal studies. When I, when I learned these things about, okay, this is what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit, I thought to myself, man, that's what I want. I don't want just to pray. But I really want to learn and I want to pray in the Holy Spirit. I want to experience that. But I realized that this has got to be something much more than what I want or what would be an incredible experience for me. This is something that we as a church desperately need to learn if we or if I want to survive and thrive in my faith. Because Jude shows us here, as is in the thesis of his letter, he calls God's people to rise up and fight for the faith in response to the attacks that were coming against the church. And he shows us that prayer is our combative weapon. Church, that's how we fight. That's how we respond to all the junk that's going on in the world that is dividing us as a nation, that is dividing us as churches. We respond as God's people in prayer. We talked about that last week. We also notice in Ephesians chapter 6 that there's more at play than just what you see physically, but there are spiritual forces of evil at work against me, against you, against us. And without prayer and the power that comes through prayer, we will not and cannot stand. And so the question isn't, what is praying in the Holy Spirit? We answered that last week. This week we want to answer the question, because this is what I had forgot as I went for walks. I was like, okay, well, how do you do that? How do you pray in the Holy Spirit? And my problem is Jude tells us, pray in the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't tell us how to do that. So I was figuring out, well, how do, how do I figure that out? And I had to go outside of Jude, which is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at Jude, but primarily we're going to have to go outside of his letter to answer the question, how do you pray in the Holy Spirit? I have five answers. These are very practical tips, practical insight 
on prayer, but not just prayer, but praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you pray in the Holy Spirit? First of all, you must be filled in the Spirit, or filled with the Spirit. So we saw this last week in, in the letter of Jude, that in calling the Christians in verse 20 to pray in the, in the Holy Spirit, this was in response to there were people in their church and they were evidently in leadership positions. They were influential in the church. They were likely praying in the church. They were likely leading prayers in the church. But they weren't praying in the Holy Spirit because they weren't filled with the Spirit. Paul's, uh, Jude says in, in, in verse 19, I believe it is, that they do not have the Spirit. And so in contrast to that, Paul, Jude says, I don't know why I keep mentioning Paul, you must pray in the Holy Spirit. The first key to learning to pray in the Holy Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit. And that's all throughout Scripture. God's people, disciples of Jesus Christ, are Spirit-filled people. Starts out with that. So you might ask the question, well, how, how, do I, how do I know that I'm filled with the Spirit of Christ? How do I get the Holy Spirit in my life to be a part of my life? In a very well-known passage to many of us, in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 38, we see after a large number of people heard the story and the message of Jesus Christ, they were struck by the message. And they said, what do we do? Many of us know this passage well. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear that? When you respond to the message of Jesus Christ and are obediently baptized into Christ, this scripture tells us that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And while the Holy Spirit does amazing things in our lives and does many things in the life of a disciple, one of the things that he helps us do, as we saw last week, he helps us to pray. He enables us to pray. And so it starts out with being filled with the Spirit. If you have never been baptized into Christ, your first step is to place your faith in Christ in baptism and be filled with the Spirit. Then you will begin the process of learning to pray in the Holy Spirit. Once you're filled in the Spirit, number two, secondly, how do you pray in the Holy Spirit? And this answer is so obvious that it's almost like it doesn't need to be stated, but because it's so obvious we don't state it, it needs to be stated. Secondly, you ask. Ask Christ to teach you to pray in the Holy Spirit. Do you know the reason why I've never given any of you $100 at the end of the service as you're leaving? It's really not complicated. None of you have ever asked. Now, there are, there are other reasons also, okay? In James chapter 4 and verse 2, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty clear. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. And so I read that and I wonder, what would God have done? What could God have done if I just had asked but never did? And so in the context of prayer, it's right there in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. We read, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. He asked Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And guess what Jesus did right there in that moment? He, he answered their question. He taught them to pray. Can you imagine him saying, yeah, I don't think I really want to teach you to pray. He wants us to pray. It's his idea. And of course, he's willing to teach us. But it's interesting 
he taught them after they asked. And then you go on and read in that passage in Luke chapter 11, I've given it to you in your life group, uh, life groups for discussion. In the context of prayer, it's really not complicated. Ask and it will be given to you. And he goes on to state, if you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There's a Holy Spirit in prayer, always so often put together. It's simple. You ask. So that's what I did last year when I was reading in Jude and I was trying to figure out what does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit and then I just began to pray and say, Lord, I, I really, I know I know how to pray, but I don't, I think something's missing here. Would you teach me, teach me to pray in the Holy Spirit? Just ask. See what happens. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask Christ to teach you to pray in the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, pray according to his will. That's how you pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray according to his will. In James chapter 4, in that same passage where he says, you don't have because you don't ask, then he speaks to those who are asking. He says, well, when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. I've been asking God to burn down my neighbor's house and take the life of his dog because that dog will not quit barking late at night. My, my neighbor has parties and really loud parties late into the night. I've been asking and God just doesn't seem to care. Well, maybe, I have, maybe it's not God's will to burn down my neighbor's house and take the life of my dog. Now, if you're worrying about me, I'm actually not praying that, nor am I even feeling that, but you get the point. What is God's will? Are you praying according to his will or according to your will? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, we read these words. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. This is when we go before him in prayer. This is the confidence we have if we ask, there's our word, Listen to this, anything, if we ask anything, now there's a caveat, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. That's a promise from God. If we will simply learn to pray in the Spirit through praying according to His will. Now here's what you hear a lot, or I hear a lot. Well, Eddie, I, 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 just, I, just don't know what, I just don't know what God's will is. Seriously? You don't know God's will. He spent the past basically 1,400 years putting this together. To give us the Bible which reveals his will in every aspect in our lives. And each of us have who knows how many Bibles in our homes and how many translations of Bibles on our phones. And we don't know the will of God. 
And we talked about this earlier in, in Jude verse 20. In the earlier point, as he's telling us to fight for the faith, he tells us by building ourselves up in the most holy faith, which is basically immersing ourselves into the truth of God's word, spending time daily in his word. And as you do so, all of a sudden you start finding what his will is. It's there. And all of a sudden what happens, the word of God begins working in your life and starts taking your will and starts aligning it and transforming it into his will. And then you pray in the Holy Spirit according to his will and watch and see how God will work in your life through those prayers and see this was the problem with those people in, in the church to whom Jude was writing this letter that were bringing the church down and they were negative influences on others and, and working against the church they weren't interested in the will of God they lived by their own instincts and their desires and what they wanted. And so when they prayed, it wasn't asking for God's will to be done. It was asking God to accommodate their will. And so in contrast to that, Jude says, you pray in the Holy Spirit, meaning pray according to His will. But the challenge with that is it involves trust. It involves trust in the sense that there too often it happens that what God wants in His will doesn't make sense to what I want in my will. And we see this in, in, in the example of Jesus' prayer. In his humanity, the night before he was going to be brutally killed on the cross in the garden, that's not the will of anyone in, in their humanity. He asked the Father, could, could we not do this? But then he prayed, not my will, but yours. That takes trust to say, God, this is what I want, but whatever is your will, that's what I'll take. And so the Father's will was carried out in Christ's life. And through his death and the burial and the resurrection, Jesus forever changed the world. We should be on our knees thanking God as Garth Brooks sings. I'm not a country music singer but I heard, or, or a country music fan, but I remember this, this song that he wrote. We should thank God for unanswered prayers that he doesn't give us what we want according to our own will. If he did, all of our lives would be incredible train wrecks. We pray in the Holy Spirit by praying according to his will because he knows better than we do. And he has something much greater in mind for us. How do, you, how do you pray in the Holy Spirit? Number four, you pray, and I'm not sure which word to go with I have on the, on the screen there. You pray with the awareness or recognition of being in his presence. And this is where the chair comes in. I remember when, when I was just starting my faith journey and I entered into a relationship with Christ, I was in a worship assembly and the person leading us in worship, just to help us engage in worship, put a chair right in the middle of us all. It was a pretty small group, only about 30 of us. And this individual says, I want you to imagine for a moment that God is seated in this chair as we pray and as we worship. And the point the point being that they were trying to, to get across is that in this moment of prayer, in this moment of, of worship, it's not an empty ritual of, of going through motions and, and verbalizing words, but it's communicating with someone who is actually here right now. And I know that's like incredibly obvious, but not always to me. I can pray, I can do what we're doing today 
and be clueless of the fact that this is directed towards God. Just going through the words that I'm supposed to go through. Going through the motions that I am supposed to go through and totally forget about this is something I'm doing in communion with God. And I love the passage in Hebrews chapter 10 that reminds us in verses 19 through 22 that when we approach God in prayer, we are in his throne room. Or he says we, we enter into the most holy place of his presence. Praying in the Holy Spirit is relational, not ritual. It's more about experiencing his presence than getting it right with the right posture and saying the right things. I think one of the most influential passages for my prayer life comes from Exodus chapter 33. And I've given this to you to also consider for your life group discussion. It's the, it's the prayer, it's an example of Moses' prayer life. And there, in his time of prayer with God, he says these words to God. He says, Lord, show me your glory. Let, let me know and experience your presence in this moment. Give me an awareness that you are here. And read the story. God answered that request. Praying in the Holy Spirit is with a realization of His presence. I need that reminder. And then finally, number five, how do you pray in the Holy Spirit? You pray in the Holy Spirit by not quenching the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, we read these words, do not quench the Spirit, which basically means don't put out His fire. Don't suppress the work of the Spirit in your life. But He doesn't tell us specifically, well, well how could one do that? And so I work my way to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. In this context of how we live our lives, He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, which I think could be a parallel to don't quench the Holy Spirit. And there in Ephesians chapter 4, it's clear that we can do that by the way that we live our lives. Listen to these verses. Psalm 66, verses 17 through 18. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Sadly, there, some of us are praying and some of us are praising, but with sin in our heart, but we're expecting God to work powerfully in our lives. We're quenching the Spirit, thus not praying in the Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 15, there's a similar words. When you spread out your hands in prayer, God says, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, when they, if I just pray it again and again and again and again, then I know we'll hear you. And God says, even if you pray many prayers, he says, I will not listen. So why, God, when I spread up my hands, I have the posture, I'm praying again and again. Why aren't you listening? Why does this feel so flat in this moment? God says, well, your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. They were praying but not in the Holy Spirit because they were quenching the Spirit by the way that they were living. It's another verse in the New Testament, very similar to that in 1 Peter chapter 3. He's speaking to husbands. And he says, husbands, treat your wives with respect. Now listen to this. Treat your wives with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So that tells me if I'm not treating Karen with respect, then my prayers are being hindered. 
The way we live and treat others can hinder our prayers. A lifestyle of sin becomes something like just a barrier or a ceiling between me and God and the prayers I'm trying to get to Him because I am quenching the Spirit. We cannot expect God to be powerfully involved in our prayers and powerfully responding if we're not loving others, if we're not living as we should. To pray in the Holy Spirit, one must walk in the Spirit, in obedience to the Spirit, as Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5. Also in James, 15, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, in speaking of God by His Spirit working powerfully among His people as they pray, He has these words, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I want to be a righteous man who prays powerful and effective prayers. Well, if that's true, Eddie, then don't quench the Spirit. Confess your sins. Repent of your sins. And pray with honest confession. And in the church to whom Jude was writing this letter, there were those who were working against the church. I've mentioned that before. They were having a negative influence on the church. They were bringing the church down. And by their influence, it's clear they, they must have been leading in some role. They must have been praying and maybe even leading in prayers. But it was hypocritical because they were living and promoting a lifestyle of immorality. And therefore, they were quenching the Spirit. And Jude says, in contrast to praying like that, you pray in the Holy Spirit. Which means to be praying, not quenching His Spirit in your life. You can cover these first four points well. You can be filled with the Spirit. You can ask God, teach me to pray in the Holy Spirit. You can be aware of His presence. You can be, not, you can, you can, um, be aware of His presence and pray in according to His will. But if you're quenching the Spirit, you're not praying in the Holy Spirit. I have a lot more in my journal to share with you, but time doesn't allow. So much more that could be said on prayer. And I realize that what I've said this morning, for, for some of you, or maybe for most of you, it's, it's probably what you've heard before. But let me ask you, how's your prayer life? Do you pray? Or is, there, is, is prayer something that's far too neglected in your life? Do you pray in the Holy Spirit. I've learned that it's not always new things we need to be learning, but that we need to be reminded of, to be faithful to, and obedient to what we already know. Church, let us hear this morning God's call to His people. Pray. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Let's do that. Stand with me as we pray together. Lord, we come before you as the disciples did so many years ago. We ask you now as they ask you then. Lord, teach us to pray. Fill us with your spirit. Reveal unto us your will and align our will with yours. And Father, in prayer, in these moments, oh Father, reveal to us, show us your glory in your presence among us. 
Show us the sin in our lives that's causing us to quench your Spirit's working in our lives. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray in the Holy Spirit that we may fight with your mighty power for the faith and stand against the attacks that come against us, that come against our faith and that come against the church. Lord, teach us to pray in the Holy Spirit that you might work powerfully in and through our lives as individuals, as families, and as a church. To him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory and majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. And all the church said, Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.